6 to 7, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be founded to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So when you go through a trial, there can be many reasons this trial is happening. We need to look to God in the trial. Trust God in the trial. See how God can use us to help others in the trial. Perhaps we can be a comfort to others going through a similar trial that we have made it through. In a trial, we tend to recognize our total dependence on God. But in reality, this is how we should be viewing all parts of our life all the time, whether we are currently going through a trial or not. In all areas of life, we should be totally dependent on God. So the first thing I want you to notice is the paradox of the trial. If you look at 1.6 again, it says, if need be, if need be, the paradox of the trial. The word paradox means an argument that produces an inconsistency, typically within logic or sense. Well, to me, I can never see a reason that I would need to go through a trial. If need be, I don't ever see the need of having heaviness through manifold temptations. That just doesn't sound like something I would need. Not even anything I would want. That's something I would never want. And in my thinking, would never need. They would say, yes, I need heaviness through manifold temptations. I need that. No one would say they need that. But the Lord here, through the Apostle Peter, says, If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Well, I cannot think of a reason I would ever need to go through a trial. I would rather have everything go perfect all the time. This is where the paradox comes in, because 1 Peter 1.6 says, If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Manifold temptations means various trials, various difficult trials you may be going through. So the Lord may see a reason to put us through the trial, but we may not see that reason at the time. We may not see that reason ever, really, for going through that trial. But the Lord has his reasons for allowing trials, for allowing difficulties, or maybe even giving us some difficulties. He has reasons for those. And if need be, he will give them to us. If need be, we will have heaviness through manifold temptations. So it is hard to comprehend the paradox of the trial. But the following quote, I think, describes the paradox of the trial quite well. We ask for strength that we might achieve. We are made weak that we might obey. We ask for health that we may do greater things. We are given infirmity that we may do things better. We ask for power that we may win the praise of men. We are given weakness that we may feel our need for God. We ask for all things that we may be able to enjoy life. We are given life that we may enjoy all things. So I've written down four reasons for trials. These aren't the only reasons, but I've written down four reasons for trials for us to consider possible reasons of the if need be for have heaviness through manifold temptations. So these are just four things I've written down for us to consider. Number one, repentance. Possibly a trial has gotten into your life because the Lord is wanting you to recognize a sin in your life and repent of that sin and turn back to him. Repentance. Maybe we've drifted from the Lord. Maybe we've started living in worldliness, 
living a sinful type of lifestyle. It could be public knowledge. It could be privately that we're sinning. But a reason for a trial could be repentance to get our attention. Say, hey, I'm your Heavenly Father. I want you to be living right. And he's giving us a trial, giving us a difficulty to kind of just get our attention. Like, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And repent of that sin and turn back to him. Another reason for a trial could be reliance. He could be wanting to develop where we rely on him and not try to do everything on our own. Because everything's going great. Everything's going great financially. Everything's going great physically. Just being a human, we could be thinking, oh, I got this. I I don't I don't need to I don't need to rely on the Lord like you used to have to rely on the Lord. I got this. I mean I've got I've got money in the bank, my everything's going great. I got this. And then boom, a trial, a difficulty happens. Financial difficulty, lose a job, health difficulty. But we have to rely on God, like we should have always been relying on God. But that could be another reason for a trial or heaviness through manifold temptations is to get our reliance back on God, like it should be. Psalm 27, 8 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Reliance. So we have repentance. We have reliance for reasons for trial. Another reason for a trial could be refinement. Refinement. The Lord is just wanting us to grow more in Him, grow more like Him. He's wanting to... Uh, us to travel down that sanctification process and become more like him. He's wanting to refine us. He's wanting to polish us up, get, get us to a point where he can use us more, we can be a better servant to him. And another possibility, and the fourth one I wrote down, is revival. Revival. He just wants to turn us again, O Lord. Psalm eighty nineteen. Turn us again, O Lord, God of hosts. He wants us to turn back to him. Maybe we're, Maybe we're not living in sin, but we just need a bit of a revival in our spirit life, a little bit of a revival spiritually. Just get back on the right track again spiritually. We're not we're not living in sin, but maybe we're just kind of in a in a in a state where we're just kind of treading water spiritually. He gives us a a, a, a trial to kind of revive us, revive us spiritually. So possible reasons for trials are repentance, reliance, refinement, and revival. God has reasons for trials he allows in our life. Perhaps a reason may be one I just listed or any of a number of other reasons I did not list at all. But our trials are called good gifts in the book of James that God gives us so that our joy may be full. You think, how could a trial be a good gift? Well, God says he gives us good gifts. Trials to us may not seem like good gifts, but to God, they are just the right gift we need it there. Just the right thing we need it. He gives us good gifts. So the end result will be our joy may be full. Another thing to consider in regard to trials is that God's love is long-sighted. To him, the spiritual welfare and growth of his children is of far greater importance than their physical comfort. Hence, to our minds at least, the paradox of the trial. He does not always spare present pain if it will produce eternal gain. That trial may not seem like a good gift at the time, but with God's eternal perspective of things, he knows it is exactly what we needed. So we have the paradox of the trial. Next point we need to consider is the preciousness of the trial. Being much more precious than of gold, 1 Peter 1.7. When faced with a trial, our goal should be to be found unto praise and honor and glory, like it says in verse 7. We need to guard our testimony in the trial. 
God will prepare us for bigger and better things through a trial. Remember, David did not fight Goliath out of the blue one day. He first fought a lion, then a bear, then he fought Goliath. Trials can be precious because if we let him, God can use them to make us more like Christ. He can use them to prepare us for the next thing he has in our life. That trial may be training ground, may be a good gift, so he can give us something even greater later because we've been prepared to handle what he wants to give us later through the pain, through, the, through that trial. He's preparing us to handle this great blessing, this great gift he wants to give us. So he's giving us a good gift of the trial as preparation, as training ground to be able to handle the next thing he wants to give us. So know the Lord is close to you in trial, the preciousness of the trial. Know the Lord is close to you in the trial. One of my favorite poems to illustrate this is Footprints in the Sand. When the man asked God, why? Why during the hardest times of my life? Why during the most difficult times of my life? Why during the times when I needed you the most? Is there only one set of footprints? And the Lord replies, it was then that I carried you. This illustrates the preciousness of the closeness of the Lord during the trial. There was a preacher in the early 1900s that had a passion for souls that went through a great trial. And the Lord used him greatly in this trial. He was doing much for God. Many people were being saved everywhere he went to preach. He went through a trial if need be, like Peter said. The Lord used him in this trial to help someone at the time, and the tale of this trial is helping others today. In 1912, he was crossing the Atlantic to come to Chicago to preach. His name was John Harper. Some of you may know the story. On April 14, 1912, the unthinkable happened. The ship he was on struck an iceberg and began to sink. The ship's name was the Titanic. It was reported that Harper shouted, Let the women and the children and the unsaved in the lifeboats. He gave his life jacket to another man after asking him if he was saved. Sir, are you saved? No, I'm not saved. He had a life jacket on. He said, Sir, are you saved? No, I'm not saved. He took off his life jacket and gave it to the man because the man said he was not saved. He was more concerned about that man's spiritual, eternal existence than he was his own physical existence. He, gave, he took the life jacket off his own bag and gave it to the man because the man simply said he was not saved. He then handed his six-year-old daughter to the deck captain. With instructions, she get put in a lifeboat. He was concerned about souls up until the last second of his life willing to sacrifice himself to give one man the possibility of getting saved later. The Titanic sank two hours and 45 minutes after this. Then for a fearful additional 50 minutes after that, there was piercing cries of people drowning in the dark, frigid water. 1,522 people drowned that night. Harper was one of them. During the final minutes of his life, a man drifting on a loose board came near Harper. And Harper shouted to him, Are you saved? The man replied, No. Harper then quoted Acts 16.31 through to his chattering, shivering breath and teeth, and as, as loud as he could, and in the weak condition he was, he quoted unto him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The man drifted off, still unsaved. A few minutes later, he drifted back near Harper, who shouted to him again, Sir, are you saved? 
And he repeated Acts 16.31 again, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Those were the last words anyone ever heard that preacher say. Right after that, he slipped under the water for the last time. With his last breath, his last energy, the last thing, moments, seconds of his life, he was witnessing to a man and shouting to him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. He was concerned about that man's soul more than he was concerned about his own life. Slipped under the water. That was it. Those are his last words. That man he witnessed to accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior. John Harper was loyal to God even in this trial unto death he was facing. We need to learn to trust God with the trials, and we need to learn to trust God with the joys. Be found faithful to our Savior when you are being tested. Let your testimony be used unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now the next thing I want you to notice is the praise in the trial. 1 Peter 1, 6-8 Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, ye yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We are to praise, we are to rejoice in trials, rejoice in heaviness. Though our faith may be tried by fire, we need to praise the one who died for us. We need to give praise to the Lord through our trial. If you're going through a trial, it could be the Lord thinks that you're ready to grow more in him. It could be he thinks you can use he could use you more for having gone through this trial. 1 Peter 1.8 tells us, Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom thou now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jeremiah 17.7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. Your attitude in the trial can make or break you. Verse 6 tells us to greatly rejoice in the trial. Now let's notice the position of security in the trial. Life events and circumstances can cause us fear. Often you can be afraid of things in your life, afraid of the reality you find yourself in, afraid of circumstances you are facing, afraid of events that are transpiring in your life. But God will strengthen us and help us face those situations. You do not need to have the strength or the ability to go through those times in your life. God will give you the strength and grace that you need moment by moment, Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. When you are worried or anxious, God cares for us. Cast your cares upon him, 1 Peter 5.7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 1 Peter 1.5 says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, to revealed in the last time. We are kept by the power of God. There is no need to fear. We have a position of security in God. God has all power. We can trust in his love and power to see us through the trial. But how are we kept by the power of God in the trial? Well, verse 5 tells us it is through faith. Our faith in the all-powerful God sees us through these trials. It takes faith to get us through the trial. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, 
who can be against us? And Galatians 2.20 tells us, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Sometimes we may feel all alone. That we're going through something those around us do not understand. We may feel lonely. We may feel neglected. We may even feel distant from God. But the Lord promises to never leave us or forsake us. We have the promise of security in the trial. In the midst of the despair of the trial, we may not seek him out sometimes. And we may try to solve the problem on our own. But he is with us through it all in spite of us not seeking him at those moments. Hebrews 13, 5, where he saith, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. doesn't matter what we do. doesn't matter the attitude we have. doesn't matter how we feel. doesn't matter if we neglect him. doesn't matter if we neglect our relationship with him. doesn't matter if we just say, Lord, I don't trust you with this problem. I'm doing it on my own. That does not matter. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. He's never going to leave us alone in the trial. Remember, if we are saved, we are never really alone. Romans 8, 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now let's look at the provision of rest in the trial. Matthew eleven twenty it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You've ever been heavy laden with that trial? Heavy laden with burdens of the trial? Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus will give us that rest. We have that provision of rest in the trial. It can often be hard to rest in the Lord. When you're going through a hard time or a trial, it can be hard to just let go of that trial. Let go of that distress. It can be hard for a number of reasons to let go. We are afraid of what might happen if we let go. We are just not wanting to move on and get past that hurt. We're just wanting to hold on to it. We're not wanting to let go. We are just hesitant to put our full trust and our future in God's control and out of our own control, we're hesitant to not be in control. But when you do finally rest in the Lord, what great peace and comfort we have when we do. And the weight of that burden begins to come off. A tremendous weight comes off your shoulders. You just feel freed. You feel just, just a heaviness is just taken away. And the burdens begin to fall off. When we let go and let God take control of that trial. We have provision of rest in the trial. Now sometimes things seem impossible. Impossible to do, impossible to overcome, impossible to endure, impossible to handle. But the Bible tells us all things, even the things that seem impossible to us, and impossible to us for even God to do, are possible. Luke 18:27. he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Life is often exhausting to us physically. Life is often exhausting to us mentally and spiritually. Trials in life can be too much for you to bear, too much for you to mentally accept, too much for you to comprehend, too, too sorrowful, too hurtful. But Jesus offers rest for our weary and burdened souls. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28-30 Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It is often hard to rest in the Lord, but what great peace we have when we do. Now our next point, there is a potential to question God in the trial. There is a potential to question God in our trials. Why? Have you ever asked why? Why must I go through this trial? Why must I go through this tribulation? Why must I go through this hardship? Why have I suffered this loss? David and the psalmist questioned God, but they also repeated back God's promises and spoke of his attributes, remembered his righteousness, talked about his love, talked about his trustworthiness, and eventually they would encourage themselves in the Lord with just the knowledge they had of God. They would be down. They would be questioning things. They would be the depths of despair. All they had to do to encourage themselves is just they rehearsed in their minds the things they already knew to be true about God. They rehearsed his trustworthiness, his love. They talked about the different attributes of God. They talked about the character of God. They talked about the, the integrity of God, how you can depend on God. And just simply rehearsing in their minds the things they knew to be true about God by the end of that psalm, they would be praising God. And on a high spiritual plane, they would be having joy in the midst of that trial when just moments before they were in the depths of despair. But what changed? They questioned God. They complained to God. But then they rehearsed in their minds the things they knew to be true about God and knew they could trust God. They were encouraged which is the basic knowledge they had about God. And then they had that high spiritual plane at the end of that psalm. So why doesn't God make our circumstances easier for us? Doesn't God desire a relationship with me? So why is he making things so difficult? Doesn't he want a real relationship with me? Well, the answer to that question is obvious. Yes, he does. He wants a real relationship with us. Now another question. If your friend does something you do not understand, do you ever question them and ask them why they did such a thing? Yes. I think we all would have will question a loved one and a friend from time to time about something they do that we don't understand, we don't comprehend, we don't see the reason behind it. So just because we question someone does not mean we do not trust them. Just because we question someone does not mean we do not love them. Just because we question does not mean we do not respect them. So if God desires a real, sincere relationship with us, knowing we are imperfect humans, wouldn't he then expect some questions from us from time to time? If we question God, on occasion does not mean we've lost our faith. It just means we're human. We serve a big God. He can take our questions. He can take it as we passionately vent out our problems, our fears, our doubts. As we question him, he can take that. He created us. He knows we need to pour out our hearts. He knows we will have questions and doubts. He knows we need to pour all this out of our hearts to him in order to heal from those trials and to move on through that tough circumstance. God wants us to pour out our hearts. God wants to hear those questions. God wants us to uh, speak those doubts to him. He wants us to pour out our hearts to him. And everything that's in our hearts, he wants us to pour it out to him. Psalm 62.8 says, Trust in him at all times, ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. 
Notice it doesn't say pour out your heart before him except for your doubts and except for your questions. It says pour out your heart before him. That's everything in your heart. God wants you to pour it out to him. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him, your whole heart, everything that's in there. God is a refuge for us. God wants us to pour out our heart. God wants us to pour out everything that's in our heart to him. In a book I've been reading, one person described the process of venting to God, of pouring out their heart to God and getting through a terrible trial in their life. They described it in a unique way, but this is the quote. I think God wrestling is essential to journeying through pain and suffering. I had people around me who kept showing me tangible, real, felt acts of a faithful, trustworthy God. Because of their faith helping me, I was free to struggle, wrestle, fight, and finally make peace with God. Now I know I have personally wrestled with God about problems, about trials, about great difficulties, about difficult situations. It is just part of being human. It helps us, it helps us in the long run to get closer to God and have him be even more real to us. It makes our relationship even more intimate, more emotional, more close by going through a trial, by pouring out our heart to God in that trial, and then seeing God bring us through that trial, giving us the peace to endure that trial, bringing us to the other side of that storm in our life. It, just, it brings us closer to God if we will open up to him in the trial. We may not always get the answers to the questions that we want. We may not always get the answers that we want to our questions. We must, though, however difficult it can be at the moment, we must keep our faith in God. Trust in Him. Rely on Him. Continue to look for how what you are going through can be used for His honor and His glory. 1 Peter 1, 69 again, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Next point is the proof of our faith by the trial. Proof of our faith by trial. 1 Peter 1, 9 again, rejoice, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Proof of our faith through the trial. God becomes more real to us as a result of the trial. We draw closer to God as a result of the trial. We can testify of his love, help, and deliverance from the trial. Our testimony and God's provision through our trial can bring others around us hope and cause them to draw closer to God. James 4, 8, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. The trial of your faith proves God's love for us, proves God's provision. The trial of your faith proves it to those around us as well. So in conclusion, what trials are you going through that are no fault of your own? Give those cares, give those concerns over to God, and don't lose your faith in God. Psalm 30, verse 5 tells us, Weeping may endure for a night, but praise God for the last part of that verse. But joy cometh in the morning. Don't lose your hope. Don't lose your faith. With the Lord, there is always hope for a better tomorrow. Lamentations 3, 22-24. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore I will hope in him. As hard as it is to hear, as hard as it may be to think, as hard as it may be to believe, but God does work everything out for the good to those who are called according to his purpose and to those who confess him as their savior. God is our safe haven. He is our strength. He is our rock in time of weakness and trouble. Psalm 46.1, my favorite verse in the entire Bible, Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I love this verse. I've claimed this verse. I've thought and meditated on this verse many times in our life. When I'm thinking, I don't have the strength to get through this difficulty. I need someone that I can just run to and pour my heart out to. God is our refuge. I don't have, I don't have it in me, the strength to get through this. God is our refuge and strength. I need help right now. I need you to be here right here with me, Lord, to help me get through this trial. A very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good that, to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. James says our trials are good gifts from God. They're for a purpose. They're for a reason. Life can be very difficult at times. Life situations can be too painful to bear, too painful to face, too painful to acknowledge. Without God giving us the strength in those times, I could not imagine going through difficult situations or times of loss without God, without Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I could not imagine going through difficult situations or loss without God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Even in the worst possible situations we could face, we need to remember we are part of God's family. And we need to not run around as if we have no hope. Because we have hope. We have the greatest hope imaginable, the hope of eternal life with Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18 But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We learned about the paradox of the trial, the preciousness of the trial, the praise in the trial, the position of security in the trial, the provision of rest in the trial, the potential to question God in the trial, and the proof of our faith in the trial. Sometimes we don't understand the trial. We may not ever understand the trial. That is the paradox of the trial. But don't let that take away from the preciousness of God to us in the trial. Remember to praise God in the trial. Don't forget your position of security in the trial. And thank God for the proof of our faith as a result of the trial.